0: We are kicking off our year, and through this year, um, we are going to be focusing a lot on the theme of following Jesus. And we kicked off the year the last couple weeks here by talking about uh, taking risks. So when we follow Jesus, when we walk with God, uh, we, we... put this phrase on it, life's too short to play it safe. And so we looked at this pattern throughout so many characters in Scripture throughout the Bible where where God calls people to partner with him. And many um, of these stories, uh, theologians actually see so many of them that they call these stories call narratives, all these instances all throughout the Old and New Testament. And we unpack the pattern Uh, which is four parts to it. Um, The beginning of the pattern, the first thing is God calls people, gives them a difficult assignment, by the way, but the first thing, God calls them, and then they respond. That's the second thing, and almost always they respond in fear. (laughs) Uh, But then the third thing is God gives a promise. He gives reassurance. uh, And then the fourth thing is simply this. They have to decide yes or no, to obey God or not obey God. And um, it doesn't matter if we're afraid. It doesn't matter if we think he called the wrong person, because that's happening all through scripture as well. Uh, God never lets them off the hook and goes to find somebody else. He leaves it in their court to say yes to say no. And the truth is he operates that way in our lives as well. And we get to decide when God calls us to do something difficult, when God calls us into an area that might involve some growth or some stretching for us, even if we're afraid, (laughs) we get to say yes or no and trust God and move into this. And these patterns, these stories show us this adventure that God intends for life to be for people who walk with him. His story, his reality, we call the kingdom of God is what Jesus called it, the kingdom of God. It's a story of risk. It's a story of adventure, and it calls us up out of our smaller self-centered stories because our smaller self-centered stories are all about us, usually. We want more comfort. We want more security. God calls us out of our own little kingdoms into his story, his kingdom, we rise above all that stuff that would try to keep us uh, in mundane, uh, self-centered living, and we follow God. We take these, these risks to live a life that he has for us, a life to the full, not a, not a safe, comfort-filled life, but a life where we get to partner with God, actually, to make a difference in blessing our world, in, in bringing the kingdom of God. Now, this year, we're also going to talk a bit more about what the kingdom of God is like. So we'll get to that. But um, Wednesday nights, I got to tell you, we are having fun. Um, We're going to reconfigure our rooms a little bit because we had so many people trying to cram into that room, and we split into a few different spaces. Uh, But we're having a blast. And what we're doing on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, we're calling them Discover Groups. And we are in there kind of summarizing the message for just a little bit. Don't worry, I don't preach the whole thing, right? And then we break into, uh, this time we had to go into three different groups and we discuss and go deeper in what the message was about. And it was so uh, incredible and actually kind of um, confirming the sense that I had about where God is taking us in this direction. Because before I even finished the message last week and before we got to Discover Groups, I was just really aware that for you and I, to, to rise into this challenge where God calls us to trust him and take some risks. If we're going to say yes to the things that God has for us, uh, because it's stuff that often seems scary, right? It's stuff that is going to stretch us and grow us, something uh, God calls us to often might cost us. And if we're going to do that, um, I'm going to need to be convinced of something. I'm going to need to be convinced it's going to at least help me be um, Obedient, if I can be convinced that God is good and that He can be trusted, so that when He calls me, I go, "Ooh, that looks scary." Okay, God, I do trust you. Uh, I will move that way. Now, even as I say that, like, "Hey, to take risks," it really helps us say yes. It helps us move into it when we trust that the heart of God is for us. That the heart of God is good. It helps. To know that, um, but, you know, he doesn't let us off the hook, right? So either way, whether you're confident in his love <laughs> um, or you have lots of doubts and questions, um, we get to choose to obey God or not in this stuff. And, and I'll tell you what, um, in the New Testament, and again, we'll get deeper into this as the year rolls on here, the followers of Jesus in the New Testament, they faced a lot of really scary and even painful stuff. Uh, But they were so convinced of the love of God that they endured things like hardship and persecution and continued to walk with God. They, They clung to the promise, even in the midst of pain, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing, right? That's the promise God gives us when we step into these risky places. And the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? That's a pretty good list right there that might (laughs) make me feel like I've been separated from God's love and maybe I've gone down the wrong path. But no, he continues in verse 38 and says, I'm convinced that nothing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Not life or death, angels or demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, nor height or depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. Nothing. And this points us to one of the things that Jesus came to earth to demonstrate to us. See, this this walking with God that we are called into, this following of Jesus is not just another religion where we show up and we do the checkboxes and we mark off all the right behaviors and we believe all the right things. No, no, no. This is a relationship that God calls us into first and foremost. It is a relationship that he calls us to. And in fact, we talk about this a lot here. It is a love relationship that we are in with God. It's it's a living, breathing relationship. It's it's a relationship that is intended to grow with our lives, that our connection with God as we begin walking with him doesn't just stay the same, but it's something that grows and deepens and that we get to step into. And so relating it to when God then calls us to something Eric in our Discover groups, he mentioned such a profound statement. He reminded us that, you know, a call from God when he gives us something to do, something he calls, a call from God is first and foremost a call to relationship, right? So before all the stuff that he might ask us to do, all the risks he might ask us to to take, it's a call to relationship. It's not primarily. Like the task God calls us to, it's important, okay? But... It's not primarily the task that he's calling us to. It's first and foremost the relationship. And by saying yes, we can build and strengthen that relationship. And friends, uh, for some of us, this idea that, that the call God puts on our life or if he asks us to do something, first and foremost, he's calling us to relationship with him. That, that changes everything for some of us. Like, whoa, I have not thought of it that way. Um, and so the question that we move into is a pretty broad one, but it's a question worth asking yourself this week. I've been asking myself this same question, and I'll continue this week uh, coming as well, but how do I see God? How do I see God? And there's lots of different ways we could answer how we see God or what our relationship is uh, built on. See, because when we respond to God out of a loving relationship— and it really does have a connection between God's heart and ours, then even if I don't quite understand or I'm afraid, I can move forward out of trust and love into what he's called me into, which is based on a love relationship. Now, that is very different. In our men's group, we talked about that this week. Um, It's very different to do things that way instead of where some of us tend to go that we see God as the boss, right? God's the boss. I'm just gonna, you know, Do the check mark so I get a good review, right? So how do you see God? Is a question worth asking yourself this week? Is it a loving relationship? Or is he just the boss and first and foremost the boss? I mean, Jesus is Lord, yes. But first and foremost, is it just about the check boxes? Or is there a relationship happening here? Because when we realize that God's posture towards us is not one of just being the boss... His posture towards us is relational, connected love. It makes a huge difference on our willingness to trust him or not to trust him. So friends, uh, how do you know that you know that you know that God loves you? Um, not just know that, okay, God made us. No, nope, that's important and good. But, and not just know that, okay, God is all-powerful. Wonderful to know, but how do you know that he loves us? And I'm guessing in a room this size with a, the variety of people that we have, some might say, well, Doug, of course I know God loves me, right? I've been a Christian for a long time, so I, I know it. But I even felt specifically towards those of us who've been Christians for a while, um... C- c- I'll say it this way. For those of us who maybe have been Christians or been in church for a while, I think we can easily hear someone like I'm talking about, talk about, you know, this God is love stuff and think, yeah, 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 I know already. I know all the Bible verses. I know what the Bible says. I know blah, 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 blah. I can spit it out. Um, I know, right? I know in my head, which is a good thing, right? I mean, being able to list Bible verses that say, God loves me, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. But hear me, it is not the same thing as experiencing the love of God. Like we can know it in our head, but that's not the same thing as, as the love of God sinking deep into our heart in ways that we can know, not just in our head, but in our heart. See, because it's relationship. It's a relationship, friends. Think of it this way. Um, my son Noah is 20. What if when Noah was born, what if um, I wrote him a letter? Son, I love you. Hold it up. Hand him the letter. And then I disappeared. And... Uh, He carried it with him, maybe folded it up in his pocket and kept it there, and every once in a while pulled it out and read it. Um, Now, if I did that, he might know that I love him. But as a father-son, would that be enough? To just know, right? It's on the paper. It says here from my dad that he loves me. That's not enough. See, he would need to be able to enter into it, to experience it, to live in it, even though I'm a very imperfect father. <laughs> Which makes it interesting that God uses this picture of a father for his relationship with us as his kids, because don't you think God knows that that's one of the most dysfunctional, painful relationships for most of us, right? Even, even if your dad was great dad, um, no dad is Jesus Christ. No dad is perfect. Um, so dads let yourself off the hook a little bit. <laughs> um, but, but 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 we have to, as children, know that we are loved by our father. And maybe that's even why God uses this father imagery for our relationship with Him—is that He wants to redeem that, especially for those of us that didn't quite get what He intended from our earthly. Father experiences. See, the experience is very important when it comes to our relationship with God. I'm not saying that knowledge doesn't matter. Absolutely, it is important for us to know what the scripture says, right? Read about God's love. Memorize the verses. Believe the right thing. Yes, do all of that. But friends, don't stop there. God wants you to live in his love day by day, in a relationship with you. And in fact, again, this is part of what the seminar uh, in a couple of weeks is going to help us move deeper into. That relationship, one way that God describes it is, is that he is, again, our father. And, there, and there's a word in the New Testament that's a very intimate word for, for father um, even more infir- in intimate and childlike than daddy. Um, Dada is the actual <laughs> interpretation of Abba. Um, and Jesus used this word when he prayed to the father. He called his father God. He called him Abba. Daddy, daddy, daddy. And sometimes we get a little Uncomfortable with that, but I'm like, hey, Jesus himself used this word. There's something he wants us to know about our connection and intimate connection with God and relationship as well. The Apostle Paul says and uses the same word. He says, We have not been given a spirit of fear. Um, He says, You did not receive a spirit. When you came to God, you didn't get a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. It reminds me of, um, so now that I'm older, um, it's nice to have a grandson because he's starting to do this, but when Noah was little, and maybe some of you parents can remember when your kids were little, some of you that have kids, maybe this is a wonderful part of your day. And if you're that age right now, hang in there because it's a beautiful thing. Hang on to these moments, guys. But when, when, when you uh, maybe leave and then you come home or you come pick them up from somewhere and your little one just lights up and runs to you, right? What if we were to see God that way? What will happen when we begin to be delighted and treat God as this with our abandoned trust Hearts that are so grateful to embrace our Father, just like our little kids run to us. it would be very different for some of us, right? Some of us see God maybe as our coach, right? He's the coach. He wants to make sure that you're going to get a better time on your 40. Uh, He wants you to improve. He wants you to lift more, do better, be better. He's going to coach you up to get there. Um, That's how some of us maybe primarily see God... Um, others of us, maybe we see God as our professor, right? we going to get the right answer, do the right thing, give the right essay, right? I got to know the right thing and do the right thing. God is the professor. Um, fine, that's fine, but it falls so much short of where God invites us into relationship with him. What if we begin to test the waters? some of us, maybe for the first time? to test the waters and see God as a perfect Father who delights in us. Whether you're 5 or 15 or 35, 55, 75, 95 years old, that you begin to walk into this connected heart with God our Father. See, when we do that, I believe that we'll begin to trust the heart of God. And those of us that have some father wounds and baggage, um, some of that's going to get healed uh, gradually as well. Now, I won't go deep into it just because of time, but, but I do want to acknowledge for some of us, thinking of God as father, that's pretty tough. And I hear you. Um, I understand where you're coming from. Um, maybe you've had some pretty harsh stuff from your father, from your dad. Uh, Maybe when you think of father, the last thing you think of is somebody you'd want to run to. Um, Paul Young, who uh, wrote a few uh, books that are fairly well known, one of the things that he said in um, The Heart of Man was that it took him 50, I think 50 years, to wipe the face of of, uh, his earthly father off of the face of God, his father. It took him a long time, but when he did, he says it changed everything. See, because friends, your heart longs for a father to affirm and love you. Your, your worth, the measure of your worth, <laughs> the measure of my worth is not in what a human thinks of us, even someone's significance, like our spouse or our kids or our parents. Your Worth The measure of your worth is found in God's immeasurable love. See, you are radically loved by God. Radically. And if you have come into relationship with Jesus, you are a son or a daughter of the Father. And so with the time we have left this morning, I want to share a story that helped me um, it was some of this perspective shifting probably 20 years ago is when I first heard this story. And it's a story that's really stuck with me. It's a, it's a story that occurred. The time frame where this true story occurred was right after the Korean War, so uh, back in the 50s. Um, and maybe this story, especially 20 years ago, maybe it connected with me because I used to be, some of you know this, I used to be a youth pastor and a Korean church for a few years while I was in Bible college. I know I don't look Korean, but um, the bar was pretty low, I guess, so yeah, they took me in. But um, this story follows the Korean War, which ended, I believe, in 1953, um, and where it starts out is that shortly after the war, a young Korean woman gave birth to a child whose father was a foreign soldier, but that foreign soldier had returned to America, never to see her again, and so the child that was born, this little baby that was born, looked very different than uh, the majority of the children that you would see in Korea. This this child had curly hair; the hair was lighter colored, and when somebody in that day and age, in that culture, kind of stood out, when you could notice that difference. It was a reminder, a painful reminder that foreign soldiers had come to their land and the response of the people to those children born to GI dads um, was to reject that different looking child. And so as a result, she was rejected by that society, even from the time she was an infant. And actually in Korea and in other countries where wars had been fought and the soldiers had gotten a woman pregnant, many mothers would actually kill their babies rather than face the kind of shame that they would have to go through in having given birth to a child that looked so different. Well, in this story, the the woman tried to keep her daughter. She tried for four years to just gut it out on her own, but finally she couldn't do it anymore. She couldn't stand the harassment, the rejection, She couldn't stand the pain that she felt from the people in her culture, so she did something that probably none of us can imagine. She abandoned her four-year-old daughter at the train station, uh, leaving her just to wander and try to fend for herself. And that child, though, wasn't alone. Actually, this happened to a number of young Korean women um, who then did the same thing. And so there were actually packs of young children living in the streets who would sleep under bridges in abandoned buildings, caves outside of town. They would eat whatever they could find. They would eat the grass. They would eat roots. They would eat locusts. And this girl was ruthlessly taunted by everyone who would see her. Um, they would shout at her the ugliest word, the ugliest word in the Korean language, justuki uh, which means alien devil. So it didn't take this little girl very long to draw some conclusions about herself. Many years later, when she was reflecting back, she would say this. She would say, um, she said, when when you hear what you are as a little child, day after day after day, you begin to believe it about yourself. She said, I believe that anyone could do whatever they wanted to me physically because I wasn't a person. I was inhuman. I was dirty. I was unclean. I had no name. She didn't even know her own name. She said, I had no name. I had no identity. I had no family, no future, and I hated myself. Four years old. For the next two years, that little girl barely stayed alive on the streets. And finally, a World Vision nurse brought her to an orphanage that had been started, but it was an orphanage with very little funding. There were Very little things there. Things were very sparse, not much to go around. Conditions were primitive. But at least she had a place to go. Um, At least it was a place to stay, a bed to sleep in. And after a few years of being there, they got word at the orphanage that a couple from America was coming, and their intent was to adopt a little Korean boy. And so word just spread like wildfire throughout the orphanage. Uh, this little girl at that time then was now the oldest one. She was nine years old by then. And so all the children were super excited because they knew that at least one child, just one child would have a future. One little boy would have hope. And so they were all excited in the orphanage. And, and this girl, she would take time to like groom some of the little boys in hopes that one of them might be chosen by this American couple. And so the next day then the the man and his wife from America, they came, and and here's the words of the little girl. This is what she recalled later. Uh, When she saw the American man, she said, it was like Goliath. Goliath had come back to life. I saw this man with his huge hands lift up each baby, and he loved every one of them as if they were his own. She said, I saw tears running from his face. She said, I knew if they could, they'd have taken the whole lot home with them." (laughs) And then, she says, He saw me out of the corner of his eye. Now, let me tell you, she said, (laughs) I was nine years old, but I didn't weigh much more than 30 pounds. I was a scrawny little thing. Listen to her description of herself. She said, I had worms in my body, lice in my hair, boils all over me. I was full of scars. I was not a pretty sight. But the man came over to me, he rattled something away in English, and I looked up at him, and then this huge hand of his came down, and he laid it on my face, and he was saying, "I want this child. This is the child that I want." And you know, I stop in the story right there. It just it really hit me. Um, that that's like our God. <laughs> that is his relational heart towards you and towards me. I mean, that shows us a demonstration of what God is like. See, that's what God would do in a situation like that because we've experienced it, right? Jesus looks past the ugliness of our sin and he peers beneath the scars of our own wrongdoing, all the failures and hurt we've done in our life and things done to us. And he sees down to the core of our souls, which are created in the image of God, And he wants to take his strong hand to cup your faith and to say to you, looking you in the eye, I want this child, this, this is the child that I want. See, that's our father God, you guys. (laughs) And I don't know if you're anything like me, sometimes, you know, can show up in a church and look around and think a lot of people here probably have it all together. But here's the truth. Um, they don't know the truth about you and you don't know the truth about them and what they struggle with. And so sometimes we're tempted to think, well, yeah, maybe this is all fine and good for somebody else. But if people really knew what was going on inside of me, like you might be thinking, I see that this little girl looked repulsive from the outside. But if you get to my insides, my fantasies, my secrets, sins, and struggles, it's, it's pretty dark. Some of you might confess But friends, it doesn't matter. See, Jesus sees inside of me. He sees inside the brokenness. And he knows the real, the true me, the real, the true you. He's not tripped up by the masks that we wear when he show up at church. (laughs) And even though he sees my stuff, even though he knows all about my mess and my failures and yours as well, he still wants to cup your face in his hands, knowing all that stuff about us, and say, I still want this child. This is the child that I want. I'm so grateful that God the Father sees us differently than we see ourselves. He sees us through eyes of love, eyes of grace. And again, I know some of us probably look at the broken places in us, and if we're honest, we might recoil at the brokenness, the struggles. I know that I still struggle with that, even though I know better. <laughs> I still struggle um, with trusting and believing the truth, and the truth is this. God sees the secret you, and he still says, I still want this child, this is the child for me. And if somebody asks me, you know, what is the Father like? What what does the love and grace of God look like? You know, I could spout off theological definitions, and lots of Bible verses, and that'd be fine. Again, Scripture is powerful, good theology, very, very important. But sometimes we have to speak in stories to try to get to our hearts. It's what Jesus did when he told parables, right? Because story is the language of the heart. Story is the language of the heart. And so before we keep going in the story, friends, do you know that deep down, deep down, God wants you. He loves you. He has chosen you to be his child. See, that's the good, good heart of God. Well, back to our story. Something really uh, Incredible happened next in the story of that nine-year-old little Korean girl. The man was reaching out to her. um, Even as he was touching her face, here's what she later said. She said, the hand on my face, it felt so good. Inside of me, I was saying, keep that up. Don't, Don't let your hand go. But she said, but nobody had ever showed me that kind of affection before. I didn't know how to respond. And so listen to this. She said, I yanked his hand off my face. I looked up at him and I spit in his eye. And then she... Ran away. I mean, can you imagine that? Two years living in the streets, three years living in the orphanage, hoping maybe somebody would one day care for her, take care of her, love her. Somebody would say, I want this child. And when the opportunity came, the window of opportunity uh, opens up and she slams it shut. She spits in his eye. She runs away. And again, I just pause at that part of the story, and I hope to meet this woman someday. Um, Because the truth of the matter is this. Every one of us, including me, (laughs) have done something like that to God to one degree or another. We've done it before. I mean, uh, let's say that you maybe are new in exploring faith or have not... Uh, said yes to Jesus, um, or maybe you've been following God for a long time, but can you think back to a time in your life when you were maybe younger and, and God started calling to you, wooing you with his love, reaching out to you, and maybe you were open spiritually, and maybe it was a Sunday school teacher who had told you about God, and you felt drawn to Jesus. Maybe you even said a prayer Uh, We listened to the lead singer from uh, Korn yesterday talk about um, before his rock and roll crazy life. When he was young, he had said a prayer to receive Jesus. But then, you know, you get into junior high, high school, and, you know, it's not cool to be a Christian or anything. And so you just kind of turn your back. You walk away. Um, Maybe not spit in the eye of God. (laughs) But you walk away. Or maybe there was an emotional crisis, something in your life that was really bad, medical crisis, financial crisis, a crisis with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, with your spouse, and you're desperate, and you call out to God, God, I need you. God, I need you to touch my life. I need you to do something in this situation. And we make all kinds of promises to God about what he'll do if you know he helps us out here. But then the crisis passes. It's easy to forget the words that we spoke, the prayer that we prayed. They just sort of evaporate away. And so I just wonder if any of us can remember times like that in our life. Um, Because I can. But let me tell you something incredibly beautiful about the heart of God. See, the heart of God, his love is a lot like the man and the wife who came to the orphanage. Because they knew, they understood what was behind this little girl's reaction. They knew what caused her in her pain and in her confusion to turn and spit in his eye. And so... Despite that initial rejection, the couple came back the next day, and of all the children there, uh, who do you think they adopted, right? Yeah, the little girl with the boils all over her body, the lice in her hair, the one who had spit in his eye, they took her home. This is the child that we want, and that's a picture of her there. Um, And they raised her to be their own child. They named her Stephanie. She grew up strong. She grew up a follower of Jesus. And today she's married. And Stephanie Fast lives in Portland uh, with her husband, her children, grandchildren. And her life has been changed forever. And friends, maybe you have turned your back on Jesus sometime in your life. But you have to know that he has never, ever, ever turned his back on you. Ever. Like the danger's not on his side that he's going to somehow walk away and abandon you. The danger would be on our side um, that we just keep turning away from God, maybe sometimes habitually, and we hear the voice of God calling out to us. And we have that longing in our soul to have our face cupped in the gentle hands of God. But if we habitually spit in his eye, metaphorically, if we run the other way again and again, uh, the danger is it 's going to be harder and harder and harder to hear from him in the future, and that goes for people that have been Christians and going to church for a long time too like there 's times that God woos our heart to walk deeper with him, and oftentimes we 'll just settle for more information uh, i don 't know i just i 'll get that information down this relationship thing scares me to death, but friends, maybe you 're here this morning and Maybe you're wondering about starting a relationship with God for the first time, or maybe you're wondering about deepening your relationship with God, getting in touch with his heart for you. And you know what? Let me just tell you, if the spirit of God is working in your heart that way, if there's something going on in your heart, if you feel like God is nudging you, asking you questions, inviting you, here's my advice. Um... Pursue that spiritual opportunity. Grab a hold of it, right? Pursue God because you know what? (laughs) He's already been pursuing you. He has. See, the love of Jesus is so amazing. And the love of God, our Father, is a beautiful thing. See, God wants to adopt us as his son, as his daughter. And, in fact, the metaphor, right, adoption is used Um, in the Bible to describe the relationship that we can have with God. We'll put Galatians 4 on the screen. Um, It's adoption, right? Uh, Verse 5 here, God sent Jesus to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. See, God has chosen us, friends. We're his child. All we do is say yes. And then it's a done deal. He doesn't care what we've done in our past. Maybe there's consequences that come from places. But as far as God's concerned, he wipes all that away. You are made brand new. Which sometimes even that is hard to grasp, isn't it, right? To know that that, that the Father, that God knows my whole life story, He knows every skeleton in my closet. He knows every moment of sin, every moment of shame, every moment of dishonesty that darkens my past. But because of the grace of God, none of that is counted against me. And he loves me. He loves you. And again, friends, uh, it can be real easy for some of us to go, yeah, yeah, I know how this works. I know the deal. I've been a Christian for a while. Um... And the problem is we might know that we're children of God but it gets easy to slide back into the slave side of things right instead of behaving like a child of God we behave like a slave that forgets that we are God's loved children that he wants relationship and connection with so so we get busy i get busy <laughs> I often forget and I get busy. I disconnect my heart from the heart of God. I start to get impatient and irritated with everybody. I start to look down on others who don't serve enough, people who are not as committed as we are. Um, Friends, that's what slaves do. We behave like slaves when we resent people. When we judge others who sin differently than we do, we're behaving like slaves, not like children. But even then, it's so great When we do that, and we all do that, we don't have to live there, right? You might act like a slave to fear, but the truth is you are a child of God, a dearly loved child of God. Romans 8, you didn't receive. Let's read that verse again. A a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, you receive the spirit of adoption, and by him we cry out, Abba, Father. See, God knows right now Even as he calls us to follow him, he knows. He knows our sometimes shallow faith, our weak trust, our feeble prayer life, my inconsistent discipleship. God knows that. God also knows when I slip into religious performance or legalism, wherever I'm at, he comes back to me, to you, wraps his arms around us and says, I dare you to trust me. I dare you, Doug, to trust me, to trust that I love you, Doug, not as, not in some way that you have to earn it, Doug. God says to you, I love you just as you are, not the way you think you should be. Let me love you. Let my grace soak into your life, transform your heart. You're my son, God would say. You're my daughter. So friends, um, as the worship team comes back up here, whether you are somebody that doesn't know Jesus yet or you have followed him for decades, the reminder this morning as we enter into this journey of following Jesus in the coming year, I just want you to remember (laughs) you are loved. You are loved, and you can say yes to God. You can say yes to the Father. You can follow Jesus because there's a good, good heart of the Father his heart is good. It's for you. He can be trusted. As our worship team comes, I'm going to have you and Juliana maybe. yeah. We, um, we're going to have something for you to put in your pocket this week as a reminder. And it's really a two-sided thing. Because we talk about both of these things a lot here at Hope, and the first one is um, the side that is on the black side. Let's try to let's see, advance the slide here. I think I have another one. There we go. This side, and just carry these with you this week. One side says, "God, how do you want to love me today?" And then the other side says, "God, who do you want to love through me today?" Now, lots of us are really good at that second side, right? Side with the white and the black print. We're really good at that one. Oh, God, help me love other people, serve other, that's wonderful. But we need to do both, right? We need to dial into the fact that God does want to show you love in a daily way, right? This is a relationship with a good father who wants to draw close to your heart. And so that card to carry with you, to maybe put somewhere um, on your dash. Not Don't cover your speedometer, but um, maybe on your mirror. Put it somewhere, just as a reminder to stop and pause and give God access and permission to your heart. And, and just watch. Just pay attention to the ways that he will love you. The ways that he will love you. Jesus as we pause now um, to worship, thank you that, that following Jesus, even though it's a life of risky faith, is first and foremost about a relationship with you. God, thank you that you are who you say you are, that we can be confident in you. And so Father, Abba, Daddy, will you help us dare to trust you, to trust that you are the best kind of father, that you look at each one of us and say, I want this child. This is the child that I choose. For hearts that are willing to say yes, I pray. Yes to you. Yes to belonging to you. Yes to entering in deeper to relationship with you, I ask in Jesus' name.